Welcome, everybody, to episode 64 of Burrows and Verbs. Welcome to my host, Roberto Cabrera. Say hello. Hello, sir. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. I was in your fair city, New York, last night. I missed you. but I I could feel you. You know, I I could feel you. I had a hankering for a Japanese barbecue, and everybody knows that's that. You got to go to New York for that. Um, And I'd like to welcome my guests, Gregory Kushan and Nicole Kabrinsky. Very happy to have you here. I'm going to say share screen. Boom. There it is. We're going to talk about the San Diego and Scottsdale markets today. Hot in the Southwest. That's the theme. I got uh, a little bit of a conversation with Greg this week and was just blown away by what he could tell me about the San Diego market. And uh, I think we're all intrigued to hear a little bit more about this explosive desert market in Scottsdale. And so Greg said, if you're going to talk about Scottsdale, you really ought to be talking to Nicole. She and I have been doing a lot of business together. She's, She's my expert in Scottsdale. So we asked Nicole on the call. Welcome, Nicole. Welcome, Greg. Greg, do you want to take? You want to begin and tell us a little bit about yourself and and uh, your career in San Diego. Of course, uh, Greg Kujan. Uh, been in real estate for eight years now. Uh, I live in Encinitas, California, about four blocks from the beach. Um, I actually, uh, I started off out of college. I I became a scuba instructor and uh, lived in Thailand for a little while. I I moved to the Caribbean and uh, taught sailing and captain yachts and instructed scuba diving. And uh, when I got bored of that and didn't know what I was doing, I um, landed in San Diego and uh, became a real estate agent. Um, So that's kind of a a quick background about me. And Nicole, what brought you into real estate? So um, again, Nicole Kabrinsky here. And um, I got into real estate after a long career of marketing for a Fortune 500 company. And I actually got into invest in fixing, flipping, fixing up and flipping properties. And uh, the company I'd worked for previously uh, allowed me to do all their corporate relocations. So uh, it's great to be on this call because I've got 10 years of history and helping people to relocate from all over the world. Um, And I just opened the House Gallery Collective this month. This is the first official uh, guest speaking call I've done from the new brokerage. Uh, And so we're we're super happy to be here. Thank you. Greg, did you learn anything? That that is an elevator pitch to say, (laughs) I was, after captaining sailboats, I was looking for something to do. I think we need to work on your elevator pitch. That is an elevator pitch where I was an analyst for Fortune 500 companies and, you know, now I'm dominating Scottsdale. I like that. You know, but that's the difference between Scottsdale and your guys' market is uh, people come to San Diego not to not to talk business and not to talk shop. We're here to, to kick back, live by the beach and live your best life. They I did learn that us. talking to you. Uh, uh, talk more about that. San Diego, it seems to me, is most often compared to L.A. Is that true? Where people say, I thought about L.A., but I really like the vibe in San Diego better. Is that? I would say talking to a San Diegan, uh, you're probably going to anger them uh, speaking like that. Um, (laughs) um, I would say San Diego is 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 where you go when you're done with 
uh, Hollywood or you're done with the hustle and bustle in New York. Um, it, it's, it's where you're going to, to maximize your lifestyle of living by the beach. Um, I was actually just looking up preparing for uh, this conversation of where people are migrating from. Um, Tucson's on the list. Phoenix is in the top 10. Um, but then you also have New York, Chicago, DC, San Francisco, and Virginia Beach. Uh, I know Virginia Beach snuck in here because of uh, the military. So our number one employer in San Diego is the military. The next is medical technology. And then after that is going to be tourism. And then kind of back to technology again um, with the booming economy of Google uh, building a warehouse down here, Amazon building a fulfillment center down here, um, ClickUp, which is a $1 billion company relocated to San Diego in 2020. Um, even the founder is on record saying that after living in San Francisco, he visited San Diego once, knew he needed to be here and moved his company here shortly afterwards because of the lifestyle. And so we have a booming tech company uh, vibe going on in downtown San Diego. Uh, a lot of what happened in the pandemic, uh, a lot of American companies realized that they can't have as much manufacturing over in China. So they moved it over to Mexico. And so both Arizona and San Diego have that benefit of being right next to Mexico and having very easy uh, border crossing. I mean, Tijuana is the heavily trafficked border in the world. Um, and lots of commercial shipping is coming up from Mexico. So that's why Amazon's got a warehouse down there. Um, you know, so there's a lot of reasons why people come here business wise, but they ultimately stay because it's 65 and sunny all year round. Uh, in a two to four hour drive, you can either be in Mexico, you can be in LA, you can be in the mountains, you can be in the snow, and you have the ocean, you know, right here. Uh, for the coast of California, we are the cheapest coastal city in, uh, in California. With so many people coming, do you have an inventory problem? Is anybody leaving? Uh, the stats on people who are leaving is, uh, on average, the people who are leaving San Diego have an average income of about $75,000. The average income of people moving into San Diego have an average of $120,000 income. So people are leaving, people are coming, but we've had an inventory shortage for well over 30 years. Um, we have a lot of environmental and just kind of geographical boundaries that uh, limit the city from being able to be built up. Um, you know, starting with the coast, we have coastal commissions. So if you're within about three miles from the beach, you can't build higher than 33 feet. So that's like two stories with a rooftop deck. Um, Scott so Hobbs, have you ever built a house 33 feet or less? I don't think so. Because once you buy an expensive piece of dirt here, you want to go up as high as as high as they'll let you. Yeah. And, and in order to go higher, you just got to go inland to get those views. <laughs> um, but then we have the mountains and the desert to the east. We have Mexico to the south and we have Camp Pendleton, which is a military base to the north before you get to Orange County. So we're kind of trapped in on all directions and uh, with the Environmental Protection Agency trying to, you know, keep us from uh, running out of water, because unfortunately we get our water before Arizona does, uh, they don't want too many people here. Can you tell me a little bit about your housing stock? Like, is it mostly made up of single family homes? Is it condominiums? I mean, do you guys even have co-ops? And uh, how much of your inventory would you say is like rental property. Because I live in Manhattan, 70% of the property, of the livable property in Manhattan is rental property. 
which is an extraordinary amount. And then of the 30%, the 60 some percent is co-ops, which is an entity which is very rare throughout the rest of the country. And then we have condos and townhouses. Uh, I've never heard or seen a co-op. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. San Diego County is the seventh largest county in the United States. Uh, it almost goes all the way over to Yuma, Arizona. Uh, so there might be something way out there that I've never driven to, uh, like six hours away from me. Um, but not that I'm aware of. I would say the vast majority of our inventory is going to be single family homes. The only places you're really seeing true high rises is downtown San Diego. There's a few buildings in Oceanside that are high rises. Um, but then as for uh, vacation and rental properties, specifically, we have hot button areas of like Mission Beach is probably 70% uh, vacation rentals. Uh, and I know Nicole has been there many times. Uh, that's where most people from Arizona, uh, they claim that as their home beach uh, because that's where you're going to see most of the Airbnbs and the short-term rentals and a lot of the uh, rental restrictions that San Diego County is trying to put in kind of give Mission Beach an exemption uh, because of, you know, they've been vacation rentals since the 50s. You have Coronado Island, which is where most of the wealthy people from Phoenix and Scottsdale buy their second home. A lot of people actually from Mexico City buy their homes in Coronado Island as well to get their money out of Mexico and park it in a luxury uh, neighborhood where it's very, very stable. Um, and then throughout the rest of the county, the vast majority of our inventory was built pre-1980. Um, and you can track the boom of our populations with all major wars. You know, mm. World War II, we saw a huge uh, boom of population. Uh, Vietnam, we saw, you know, like every major war we've had in the, uh, the military has ramped up the amount of troops that we have. San Diego actually grows. Wow. What is the, before we pivot to Arizona, what is the average price? Give me some price data so that I can compare that to Arizona. Yeah. Um, our median sales price for a detached home in San Diego County is $915,000. Uh, we capped out at a million dollars April 2022. Um, and then it's kind of been softening back up a little bit. Um, but to give that a little bit of context, in January 2019, our median sales price was $610,000. Mm. Nicole, how does that compare price-wise? And then tell us a little bit more about the town. Yeah, so um, you know, much like San Diego, obviously we've seen upwards of 30% price increases. So today, uh, median sales price in Scottsdale, um, you're looking at right at that 800,000 price point. Um, and, you know, I remember years ago it being closer to 500,000. So it's interesting. We're having a lot of discussions about affordability. And the question comes up for me oftentimes of is Scottsdale still affordable? Is Arizona specifically still um, the Phoenix metro area? Is it still truly affordable? Um, and, and so we can compare where, you know, we used to have a much larger gap between uh, L.A. County and San Diego. Um, and we're seeing that gap, um, you know, closing. Uh, to a degree. And I think within the last six months, the shift we've seen in the last six months, I suspect will 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 that um, closeness in price to California, that will slow down. Um, we are right now currently, if a hundred a score of a hundred is a um, a balanced market, anything above a hundred is a seller's market. 
below 100 is a buyer's market. As of today or yesterday, excuse me, we hit 93. Um, at the the height of the market, even you know a year ago, we were closer to 500, 525, right in that range. So in the last six months, we've we've seen a very dramatic shift, and I think that's going to start to impact pricing. So as far as affordability goes. We are we were starting to see some very significant affordability issues, not enough homes for to be utilized for rentals. Um, and the multifamily industry creating apartments that doesn't have enough time to build, they can't build quick enough. Um, and so I think with this new correction, it's gonna help address some of the affordability issues. 90 uh, is when we start to see prices actually decrease. So that rapid shift was. Um, within the last six months, we went from 300 to 93 as, as far as that score in terms of the Cromford market index, which is what we commonly use here. So we've seen that that huge shift. So I suspect, although our pricing sounds, um, you know, not very far off from San Diego, um, I, I think we can we're, we're going to start to feel a little bit more of a, a shift, a gap in the pricing between. I them. read that the average median price you have that you have three neighborhoods uh, south. Uh, Scottsdale, North Scottsdale, and the Peak, something Peak. Yes. So, so really, we we kind of do. I'm Pinnacle Peak. Um, you could refer to as like your your further North Scottsdale, but we we look at our major areas as North Scottsdale. Uh, we have Central Scottsdale, South Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, which is the most expensive price per square foot, um, and then there's Arcadia, which is a nearby urban village, is what they call it. Um, so there, it's it's interesting because it's all very close together. I can I can walk a mile one direction from my office and now I'm in what's Phoenix. It's in considered Arcadia. But for the most part, we we divide those areas up and North Scottsdale would be uh, most of our second homeowners, we call them snowbirds, people who live here part of the year and then they leave during the summer. Um, we have Central Scottsdale, which I would say is primarily your um, more affluent um, families, um, late, late uh, millennial generation, um, starting families, and then you have more of your South Scottsdale, which attracts South or, or Old Town Scottsdale, which is where we're located, attracts um, a lot of your tourism events um, and your younger professionals. You have more rentals there, a lot more entertainment, a little more walkability. Can you I'm differentiate Scottsdale from Phoenix? Because Scottsdale seems like a fancy way of saying Phoenix. It Just really is. I mean, the city itself is called Scottsdale. Um, Phoenix, uh, they... It, it really is, it's nearby. It's all part of Phoenix Metro. And Scottsdale is really just, um, I would say um, the, the best way to explain it would be probably the more um, uh, tourist attractions are in Scottsdale, more entertainment. Um, and then you have more suburban neighborhoods in uh, Phoenix and um, in the Southeast Valley and West Valley would be much more suburban. If I'm a fancy guy, I think I want to, I, I might start in Paradise Valley, right? When you said Paradise Valley, I'm like, ooh, I've heard of that. Yes. Tell me about Paradise Valley. So Paradise Valley, you have a much higher um, price per square foot. Um, Paradise Valley, think estate style homes, uh, much larger lots with mountain views. What's beautiful about Paradise Valley is you you get the, the great landscapes um, and you get 
estate style homes with large lots, whereas most of the city is set up, the closer in you are, the, the, the closer you are to everything, the smaller your house gets, the smaller your lot gets, which is like most major cities. But Paradise Valley is um, not that at all. You can feel like you are um, on your own little island. Um, the homes are typically single level ranch um, style homes with beautiful views. Um, and again, a, a great price tag to go with it, but you don't have to necessarily go too far north. Um, and then you're away from the freeway, away from the airport. Um, some people love that lifestyle of North Scottsdale where it's much more quiet, uh, but Paradise Valley, I mean, it's the best of all worlds. It's centrally located um, and then has some of the most beautiful luxury real estate um, in the entire state. How much is the start? So I want to come out there. I want Paradise Valley. I want uh, a nice ranch for just me and my wife and a pool and at least an acre. What's what's the starting entry entry level? So to get dirt in Paradise Valley and you still need to spend money to level the house because some of the older homes, they have low ceilings. So you wouldn't really want to remodel. You tear the place down. You're starting at 1.8 to 2 million. Um, so most of my clients looking right now in the three to $5 million price point. Um, at 3 million, you're probably still gonna wanna do a little bit of updating, a little bit of um, kind of making it your own, maybe taking out some of the Southwestern style and modernizing it a little bit. Um, and then when you get closer to 5 million, um, you know, you're, you're looking at more of your move-in ready um, with views, ideal Paradise Valley estate. $5 million. I think I'm going to go back to San Diego and say, Greg, can you hook me up uh, with something close to the beach? I mean, you know, five million. If I'm already up to five million dollars. So I would say, you know, obviously at at two million, you know, you, you're you're looking at an older estate. So it's not to say at the two, three million dollar mark, you can't do it. Um, a lot of times, a lot of my clients will say, OK, well, let's go to a nearby Scottsdale neighborhood or. Um, you still want the views, you still want the space, we go to North Scottsdale. So uh, North Scottsdale, you're still getting the, the estate style lots. Um, you can get new construction now um, for have it built and customize it the way that, that you want to. You can have that done um, closer to $3 million range and your home is pristine, brand new construction. And um, you know a lot of people who want that lifestyle here in the desert um, may not care about how close you are to the freeway or to the airport. A lot of that would, would be, you know, your second homeowners or people who are only here part of the year. And there's also, there are also family oriented neighborhoods in North Scottsdale as well. So, so Greg, you, said you guys did a lot of business together. Are people going from one to the other? Yes. Uh, That's I'd like say, a very common. Yes. Uh, especially when it gets to uh, 130 degrees in Arizona and you can cook your breakfast in your driveway. Um <laughs> Slightly exaggerating. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, especially in uh, Nicole's neighborhoods, their second home is Coronado or Rancho Santa Fe or Del Mar or Solana Beach or even Carlsbad. If they're you know looking to not say have a luxury property in both places, but have like a really nice place and really close to the beach and incredible walkability, you know. So there's there's many different neighborhoods where they 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 spend their summers in San Diego and then go back over there in the winter. Uh, but yeah, I'd say Phoenix and Tucson are the two places where we're seeing a lot of, you know, transfer back and forth because it's a 45 minute flight. 
it, it's six hour drive. It's super easy to get back and forth. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of a lot of our incoming um, clientele, um, and in just in general, those that are coming in. Um, it, it you know, with eighty five thousand people moving here just last year alone, there's naturally going to be those that say, "Oh, wow, I didn't spend you know June, July, and August here, and I can't necessarily handle that heat." And so, um, as Greg mentioned, second homes are. Um, very common amongst a lot of people who live here, the, the ones that are fortunate enough um, to be able to buy a house in, let's say, Flagstaff, Arizona. So that's about two hours away from here. Um, San Diego, we're, we're there a few times a year. Um, so it is very common to have um, second homes, vacation homes in California. Um, we have a few um, clients um, out of Palm Springs, um, Flagstaff, so we're going to see that trend, I think, continue as people say, you know what, I can live here full time. And I tell my clients, OK, well, a year or two in, um, you know, when you're ready, let's talk about going to Greg and let's let's talk about where you're going to spend your summer. Can I ask you something from a standpoint of a regional perspective? Like if someone is up in the northeast, they say, listen, I want to move to the southwest. And I don't mean to introduce something different, but what is the difference between Arizona and New Mexico? What's the difference between where you are in Santa Fe. Sure. Well, um, I would say Scottsdale in general, I mean, the things we're most known for are the Phoenix Metro. I'm going to refer to it as Phoenix Metro because there's a lot of great things. And, um, you know, I think we sometimes get a bad rep for only focusing on, on the, the luxury uh, market. But uh, in Scottsdale, we're known for, you know, golf courses. We're known for luxury spas and resorts. Um, we're known for events. We've got um, Barrett Jackson, uh, which is the, the car auction. We've got um, uh, the waste management open. This year we've got this, which is the golf tournament. We've got the Super Bowl. So we have this, this mix, this element of this easy lifestyle. So it, there's, there's ease of living here, like parking still not an issue. Um, there's an ease of lifestyle. There's events. Um, you still get the great weather. Um, there is a, a booming art scene and a growing culture, which we love. Um, and so there's definitely a different feel versus um, Santa Fe. But both, I would say the similarities between like New Mexico and here would just be that small town feel when it's really not all that small. Um, and the, the ease of lifestyle is very similar where it's like you still get um, here anyway, we're getting the stunning landscapes, the feel, you can have the feel of being um, in the middle of the desert, but yet you're not, and you still have accessibility to, to things, events, culture, um, shopping, dining, uh, golf, entertainment. Um, so we it. sounds it. like it's primarily oriented toward retirees. I mean, I'm hearing golf and I'm hearing that it's it's just not that close to the major job centers. Now I hear I heard some industries are coming in, but Greg's telling a story uh, of Ariana Grande said, "Well, if I'm not going to live in Orange County, I can just move a little bit further south and still be pretty close, drivable." Whereas this seems like a retirement place for people who are not necessarily having to commute. 
You know, I think it used to be, but I, I read something that was the majority of that 85,000 that was moving in are actually your mid thirties, late thirties, um, millennials. They're not buying. Um, a lot of them are, are renting and saying, this isn't really my forever um, home, but we are seeing a lot of families move here. We're seeing a lot of, um, I, I would say, you know, second homeowners, that's a big piece of our market. There's a lot of um, opportunity for vacation homes, but, and it used to be like the quintessential Scottsdale lifestyle was golf courses, spas, resorts, attracted retirees because of the weather. Um, but we're, we're seeing that shift to now helping families to come in um, that, you know, later thirties um, and then those that intend to, you know, uh, potentially start a family later on. So it's, and I credit this to social media. I think, you know, even when I first thought of the idea of moving to Scottsdale, that's what I thought was, okay, well, that's where you go to retire, but you really live and everyone who works, you know, lives in Phoenix. And that's definitely not the case. What's nice is we have this multi-generational option where, you know, you can live in Old Town Scottsdale and you have, you know, dining, entertainment, um, walkability, that more urban feel, but then you go 15 minutes north and you're in a family-oriented neighborhood. Then you go 15 minutes north of that and you're in North Scottsdale and you have um, more of your golf course communities. Life gets a little slower. So I, I would argue that it used to be seen more as a uh, retiree community, but I think social media has helped to kind of shift that mindset. And then the word is out, the secret's out about Scottsdale. I mean, it, it um, aside from, you know, some of the affordability challenges, which we've just recently experienced, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot more pros than there are cons. Again, the biggest thing for me, I'll be honest, the heat in the summer, if you're lucky enough to leave in the summer, that's what you, what you do. We're here working. Um, but you know, one day I'll be over there in Coronado with, with Greg in the summers, maybe some, at some point with all my clients. <laughs> If you had humidity like we have here, your hair would be curly like mine. <laughs> Greg, you I know you have a lot of data and charts. Do you want to take us through some of your charts and, and help, help us understand the San Diego market? Yeah, I guess what specifically, um, when information would you think the best clients would best or people would best want to hear? I mean... Everybody is consumed with rising interest rates, inflation, and 30% bumps in prices. And so I know you had a bunch of bar charts and you were going to take us through maybe some of the economics of San Diego. I am ill-prepared. Don't, don't bring that question next over here. Uh, <laughs> over a chair, Greg. Um, I would say, like, to summarize it without getting too... Oops, I just exited out of one of my charts. Uh, to summarize it without uh, getting too into depth is it is that um, because we've had so much demand and I, I went back to 2004, the most inventory we've had on the market at one time was like 8,000 homes. We have three point... Let's just round up. 3.3 million people in the metro San Diego area. So that's not going out to the Julians and the Borrego Springs and going out further into the desert. That's the, the general coastal you know, neighborhoods, 3.3 million people and 8,000 homes on the market. You know, How does that compare, Roberto, to Manhattan? Manhattan has eight and a half million people and our inventory is about 7,000. So, I mean, that was the highest. Right now we're at like 1,900 homes on the market, you know? So it, it's, 
we we haven't we don't fluctuate much right like the highs are the highest are you know right now for the past three years we we've had about three thousand to four thousand properties in the last three years on the market at one time the lows are around 1200. what happened to you during COVID, as far as pricing 2019 pricing was say the bar what came how far did it come down or up and what has it done since so 2019 of January, our average was 610. Uh, the height was April of 2022 at 1 million. And we've come down to uh, 915. Now, I would say that because of the, the amount of volume of properties being sold isn't that high. And we have neighborhoods like Rancho Santa Fe and Coronado and Del Mar, where you'll get the occasional $30 million sale and our average market data, you know, is massively skewed because our median sales price is, you know, the stuff that sells day in and day out is, you know, your 800 to $2 million range. That's, that's your everyday San Diego price range for, you know, your, your step up home, your, your average house across the county. Um, so, I mean, you look at the Rancho Santa Fe data last month, their median sales price was 1.5. This month it's four point nine five. Right, it's because like two deals happen a yeah, month. Sure, right. Sure. So let, let me ask you: this. in in New York and Manhattan, people left the urban environment right during COVID. They went to Connecticut. They went to the Hamptons. They went up to the Hudson Valley. A lot of people bought second homes. They didn't necessarily get rid of their Manhattan home. Some did. Some were renting. They left. Those were left tremendous vacancies. In San Diego, did people escape to like Coronado? Did that was that as a second home and did that increase that or did people like go elsewhere or did you see much variation in there? So across the board, you know, lots and lots of people were moving to San Diego. Um, what the only market that really saw a hit was our downtown market. I mean, cause again, that's the only place with high rises and high density. Everything else, I mean, depending on what market you're in, I mean, our average lot size is around 5,000 square feet across the board in San Diego. So, I mean, and that's a single family home. So it's not enormous, but you're not stacked on top of each other in vertical living. So we did see an exodus out of downtown San Diego and the burbs really took off. And a lot of neighborhoods that have historically been uh, you know, the lower price points and the less desirable neighborhoods, those ones turned over really quickly. And those are the properties that you saw jump up from, um, there you go. I guess I could have done that too. Um, that, that jumped up from, you know, a $350,000 house to now it's a $700,000 house. Um, so on this map, where is downtown? So nope, a little bit further South. It's where it says USS Midway. That that's the downtown. Okay. Yeah. And where's Coronado? Cor Cor Coronado. What Coronado is is yep where John's circling his mouse right now. I see. Uh, that I see. big grayed out area is North Island. So that's the Navy SEALs base where you see SEAL Team Six and all that good stuff. That's uh, where Top Gun was filmed. Uh, that's that's Coronado. Okay. Yeah. And then as you go up the coast, you have Ocean Beach and Point Loma. Then you have Pacific Beach, La Jolla, which most people have heard of La Jolla. Um, then you have, uh, you know, the coastal North County communities where Del Mar is lowlands. So you got to worry about, 
you know, potential sea level rising. Uh, and then the, the, the sandstone cliffs are up higher everywhere else in Solana Beach, Encinitas, and those beach coastal neighborhoods. So I'd say people left downtown San Diego and just went outwardly. So as you go inland, does the topography really escalate in, yes. in elevation? So if you go due east of, uh, you know, say downtown, um, you have Alpine and Alpine is, you know, a, a half a mile in the sky. Uh, you know, you, you keep going a little bit further and you have uh, Palomar Mountain, which is where we have a, a designated dark, scar, dark, dark sky uh, where they have a lot of celestial um, observation towers up there. Um, because it's part of, you know, the Rocky Mountains. So it, it gets very, very mountainous, uh, not too far. You can be in the but are there Are there homes up in there, like, for example, like in the Hollywood Hills that you overlook all of San Diego or anything like that? So you're too far away to be overlooking all of San Diego. I'd say that because the, there's, a, there's a mountain range right on like Highway 5 um, that like as soon as you're on the other side of the 5, um, you, you're lower than say La Jolla and Claremont and, you know, so it, it drops back down into a valley and then starts, you know, hiking up pretty quickly afterwards. Okay. Yeah. So if you're looking for views of the ocean in downtown, I mean, you have Mission Hills, which is a historic neighborhood that was developed in the early twenties when a trolley line was built to the wealthy people to get out of downtown uh, San Diego. So you have a lot of historic homes built in the 20s that are in the 3000 square foot lot, uh, quarter acre lots. Um, so large for San Diego. Um, and they're, you know, beautiful old historic homes that overlook downtown and Point Loma and have ocean views. What's the range of price for a, a quarter acre in Mission Hills, older home, nice shape, uh, I'd say you're looking, if you're looking around, you know, 25 to 3000 square foot home on that size, two and a half to three and a half million. That's very affordable. Right there. Close to the airport, close to the beach. I'm and sold. You're just, and you're just out of the flight path if you're up in those larger lots. Um, Bankers Hill, which you see uh, slightly under that in Little Italy, um, they're in the flight path of the airport and it's it's noisy all day long. So why would anybody leave at two and a half million dollars? It's affordable. It's near the beach. You said there's no bugs. It's not 130 degrees. Why would anybody leave California? That's a great question. I don't know. You're going to have to ask somebody who left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say there's there's a lot of people who come here from the military and the three major universities we have. Uh, you know, we have a large population of people from, say, Boston and New York and, you know, your part of the world where they're sick and tired of shoveling snow and they come out to San Diego when they're younger. Um, and, and a lot of times if they aren't in a successful career, uh, they tend to go back home to raise their family closer to family. But, it, you know, the people who come here and, you know, are successful and fall in love with the lifestyle, they do whatever they can to make it work and don't ever leave. It's actually rare to find someone who was born and raised in San Diego, close to the beach. Scott, do you have any questions from a builder's perspective? 
I mean, I, I, I understand from Greg how um, San Diego is hemmed in to the west uh, by the desert. Uh, no, wait, to the east right, by right. the desert. Sorry, I, I, I'm all turned around. To the east, there's a desert. West, there's a Pacific. You've got a military base to the north, and you've got Mexico to the south. So there's a limit of any additional building. And uh, I have the same question, I guess, for Nicole. But so from a builder's point of view, is there opportunities to build in San Diego? You said no. So it's infill. And because there's not much like if you're looking for, say, like high rise development, that's just not common in San Diego because we have very strange and old parking rules and regulations. Uh, you know, if someone wanted to build a high rise in most of the general metropolitan areas, you're going to have to build a parking lot that's 50 percent of your land that you purchased just to have a high density number of uh, of units and so that they're trying to change that parking regulation along all the major corridors but keeping those parking restrictions in the rest of san diego so we have a lot of say like lennar and shea you know you know single family home development communities uh if you go back into the 80s uh if you pull that map back up the five and the 15 in between there and the 80s besides rancho santa fe there was nothing there i mean there's so many highways the 56 the 52 you know the 76 78 all of these um that didn't exist you know 40 years ago so if you scroll out and go north a little bit can you not do your parking below grade like go way down depends on how close you are to the beach because you might be under sea level and that mm -hmm. just makes your project significantly more expensive and then we also have we don't have soil we have limestone and bedrock so mm -hmm. it, it, we don't have basements in san diego wow. and we have earthquakes too so um those are like safety hazards in san diego do you have pools underground pools yeah, there are pools. Yes. Um, but is it common or is it more rare? No, they're fairly common. Yeah. Basements are not, though. Right. Uh, probably like five basements in all of San Diego County. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still interested in the builder question because uh, I know that, that uh, the super rich uh, are looking in L.A., Ocean County, and they're seeing 50 million hundred million and when they're going to palm beach and they're starting to see 50 million dollar price tags and ariana grande just came down to san diego and rather famously bought this luxury home which had been on the market for 30 million for 20 million something that would have cost her 50 or 100 in one of yeah. those uh, alicia keys bought a house that was the inspiration for tony stark's home in iron man uh it oh. is a beautiful concrete and glass you know architectural you know masterpiece uh that you don't see a lot of in in san diego um you have nice palatial homes but we still have a very old and historic spanish style for you know these bigger homes um so you don't see many um architectural like beautifully designed homes like in that style it's more practical architecture but you know we are we are bumping up into the price point of coastal homes. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, the the coastal homes are the ones that you're seeing them tear down and build beautiful spec homes. 
but we just don't have like the notoriety of LA of having high-end architects come down and design beautiful, interesting homes. I mean, we have incredible, gorgeous properties, but they're not on that like architecture digest level of like unique designs. They're usually someone who, uh, like we talked about, John, they're billionaires in board shorts. They're trying to be low key and they don't want to be flashy when they're here. They want to not be noticed. I mean, when I go surfing by Alicia Keys' house at Black's Beach, uh, I, I see her walking her dog, you know, in sweatpants and there's no paparazzi. There's no there's no media. There's nothing there. She's just a normal human being, you know, in a neighborhood. It's a very nice neighborhood. Um, but, you know, there's there's just no media. There's no attention. So there's no desire to be flashy. People leave there. The flashiness to come here to be under the radar and live a good life. Aside from the construction cost of something like that, which has got to be extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Is the to get the land in a spot like that? Is that like extraordinarily expensive? Uh, there's some really old homes there that you could probably buy for three to five and bulldoze. And, and how, how much land is that on, more or less? Is that two acres, three acres, four acres? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, you're looking maybe 10,000 square feet. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, acres don't happen there. There, there's, there's one place that is acres in that whole community. And it's actually three homes that they've owned since like the seventies and they haven't updated it since the seventies. And it's just a surfer compound of a family who just generationally will not sell it because you could bulldoze the whole compound and build six homes that each one would sell for 10 plus million dollars easily. Wow. Yeah. You don't get acres unless you're in Rancho Santa Fe. So I put one gorgeous listing on my uh, my email promotion and my wife said, is that for sale? And I said, no, that's Frank Lloyd Wright's house. It's not for sale and it's not Nicole's listing. But they do have a great collection of great mid-century modern architecture out there in Arizona. Right. So tell me a little bit about that and some of the other high end houses and architectural masterpieces you have out there. One of the amazing parts um, about being in Scottsdale and in Paradise Valley, for me, it was fascinating. I grew up in Colorado, so I came here and I saw all the, the stucco and um, stucco and brick and it was, you know, no longer, you know, shutter homes and uh, white picket fences. Uh, but I love that about Arizona, you have um, large variety of different architecture. Most of um, the areas you're going to see a variety of new construction um, and mixed in with um, some of your old mid-century modern. So it, here's an example uh, where our office is located one street south of us um, is the what we call the garden district. And so that's these beautiful 1960s um, smaller um, communities that just have um, uh, such a great deal of history and culture and have been impeccably maintained. Um, so we do a lot of um, those historic home tours to the, to the public, which are really interesting. And then you could have a, um, I sold a lot um, at one point where my client spent 
2 million on just the driveway. So you have this um, beautiful mid-century modern home built into the side of Camelback Mountain with views, 360 views of the entire city, both Phoenix and Scottsdale. Um, so that's one thing I, I love. Um, I'll go back if, if you don't mind to the question about opportunity for construction here, because we've been working a lot with um, our Canadian investors and our clients from all over um, the country, um, US and Canada, as far as opportunity for development. And it's interesting, like um, Greg was talking about how, what opportunities are. So this is an example, I don't know if you're going to be able to see it, of infill here behind us. So it's, there's a lot of mid-rise um, apartments, so multifamily, um, that's that's huge amongst investors right now, um, multifamily residential, because we had a uh, rental dwelling shortage, we just don't, don't have enough rental properties. Um, and then there, there are um, neighborhoods where you could have an old 1920s home, historic home, and then a lot next to it, like the lot in front of us um, is an infill, it's uh, nine units, two-story townhomes, they're selling, uh, one just went pending for 850 a square foot, $850 a square foot, um, which is, you know, it's it's high for, for this particular area. But a lot of our new construction opportunities are in both multifamily, uh, a lot of custom home opportunities because people, you know, bought land in the last three, four, five years um, and are now ready. I think Vince Vaughn just bought um, not too long ago in Paradise Valley and are now looking at working with a custom home developer. So a lot of our clients are um, trying to connect with uh, luxury custom home developers here. Um, so as far as construction goes, though, we don't have a lot of the parking issues yet. I suspect if we're if the city uh, is not careful, we will. Um, but for example, that building across the street does have underground um, parking as well. Um, but most of our opportunities are um, in Phil, like Greg's, and as long as you don't go above four stories, especially with the city of Scottsdale, for example, uh, the, the project is pretty easy to fly through. I think we had one project which was planned to be uh, somewhere, I think 13 or 14 stories made it through the city um, and then was appealed and that appeal actually went through. So a lot of the, the our investors are looking at the small infill projects like five to 10 units um, you know, three, four stories, um, but nothing more than four to, to, to keep the project moving quickly and, and get, get it through the city. Are there any preservation like restrictions? Like there are certain homes or buildings that are just, they cannot be touched. Uh, there are, there are, it, I would say there are, and that's, that's loose that in compare. I mean, we're in the wild West, so yeah. it's, it's much different than New York. Uh, much, much different um, in, in transitioning quickly. So anything could change. I could tell you that today. And uh, we do have some um, land lease from Indian reservations. Um, that, that's kind of interesting when we were, Greg was talking about just co, we were talking about co-ops. That's one unique thing we have. We have some. What does uh, that mean? What does that mean? So you're essentially building a community on uh, land that is owned by an Indian reservation. And so it's typically a 50 year lease. So if you're looking at a house that would normally cost um, $2 million, you're going to get it for a million, but then you're going to have an additional $700 a month on top of the payment for the land lease. And that's just for one individual unit or one, one single family residence. Um, I'll tell you in 10 years, I've never sold one, uh, but it is something that's unique in our market. 
We also have, um, we have a, we have hotels here that are, it's really interesting if you have a resort style hotel, um, like the one across the street from us, um, the first, I think seven floors are, well, I think it's seven floors total. And then floor six and seven, if I'm recalling correctly, those are residences. And so what they'll do is you can put those residences back into the hotel program um, if you're not using them. So you rent them for yourself. And then it's usually about a 50% management fee, if not more. Um, and then they'll rent those out through the hotel. And that's really popular both in Old Town Scottsdale, as well as some of your golf course communities when you go further up north. And it's it's different because you, you actually own the unit. It's not a timeshare. Um, so that's kind of a unique product that not a lot of the other markets have. Do you guys on your transactions, you guys have any sort of mansion taxes or transfer taxes or things like that that are get, get levied by the state or the city? No. No. What about San Diego? There's a few, but it's rare. Isn't there another one coming up right now where the transfer tax is going up in California or on expensive houses? I haven't read an article about that, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Is, is tax strategy playing into either uh, any of the migration? I will say that New in New York, uh, in New York, they think a good deal about Connecticut and New Jersey as near near suburbs, and now they're looking at Florida uh, and spending 180 days a year in Florida specifically to avoid income tax. I looked up the income tax in Arizona and it was uh, the highest bracket was 4%. Um, if you make over $150,000 a year, it's 4%. So it's not nothing, but it's quite a bit less than say Connecticut or New York. Is that a reason that's drawn that that Arizona is seeing 30% rise during COVID of the prices? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the property taxes, like here's just an example on the last home that I sold uh, at the at the three million dollar mark. Um, buyers came in from New York and they said, uh, you know, there's a bidding situation. Um, and this was pre six months ago for this particular house. But, you know, in comparison, he was explaining, you know, of course, this would be a fifty six thousand dollar house. So even with a bidding war going on with a cash purchase um, on a three million dollar house, I think the taxes on this one were. Um, they were less than 10,000 for this particular house. Um, and, and when you make that kind of comparison, your buying power, when you're saving that much on your, just your property taxes, your annual property taxes, it, it um, was a huge, especially for second homeowners who were coming to pay cash. Um, when we were having some of those bidding wars going on, uh, that was absolutely, it was certainly fueling it. Um, and especially um, if there was any, um, exchanges going on. Like we're seeing a ton of 1031 exchanges. Here's something we did for a client recently. Um, they wanted to exchange, they had rental properties in uh, Alameda, California. I wanted to exchange those, of, of course, defer taxes, use a 1031 exchange. And so what we did is we bought a home, a state style home, that event that would be a good vacation home, uh, built a guest casita on it, and then that guest casita was for the caretaker. So the caretaker had a lease in place. And so now you have this qualified tax deferral in addition to a vacation home. Um, and so that's been popular or there were a lot of um, tax advantages to buying model homes and then you lease it back to the builder. 
Um, so again, it's still a residential property in which you're leasing. It's a rental property. So um, obviously I did not give my clients tax um, advice on this, but um, there's there are a lot of opportunities that I would say a, a large chunk of my clients uh, in the ultra high net worth or high net worth space bought here for tax purposes and life, a little bit of lifestyle, but also there was some financial motivation as well. Greg, what's the taxes on that $3 million uh, home in Mission Hills on the quarter acre that I had my eye on? Uh, property taxes are on average 1.125%, give or take the neighborhood. It fluctuates just a little bit. Um, but we have Prop 13, which locks in your, your increase of your property taxes that's maxed out at 1% a year. So your neighbor could sell for $20 million and you bought for $3 million. It doesn't affect your property taxes whatsoever. But if I buy for $3 million, that one point, what was it? One point what? 1.12. So I'm paying $33,000 or so in that first year on my $3 million. And so that's perhaps a good reason why people are looking at Arizona saying I can, did you say 10 for that same it, so I was sub 10. I, I think it was 8,000. Like we've got, I've got a listing here um, in a neighborhood that I frequently sell in. The list price is 3.8 million um, and your taxes are 69.37. It's yeah, the taxes crazy. are half than ours. Yeah. But again, and by the way, $3 million in New Canaan, you're also probably paying about 30 three thirty-five thousand dollars in New Canaan as well. So San Diego, Connecticut. Yeah, no one's moving to San Diego for like tax benefits. I'd say, you know, it's the long-term play, how you have people who bought places in the 70s for no money and they're locked in on a very small incremental gain that like in the long run, San Diego's taxes are significantly lower than many other cities where you're starting off on the same level playing field. You, you, we, we go in and advise people to go to Arizona or Wyoming or Texas or Florida, you know, to buy those investment properties. Um, if, you're, if they're looking at, you know, those kind of like short term, you know, uh, gains and, and short term return on investment for here, investors are looking for the long haul. You're, you're getting almost guaranteed appreciation and you're getting five to 8% return on your investment for residential investments. If you're going and looking at multifamily or, you know, mid density of like say 10 to 12 units. Yeah. The, the numbers go up a little bit. Um, but it, it's that long haul play of like prices just keep consistently going up and your monthly payment doesn't go up that much. It's very, very nominal. How about water? You, somebody mentioned water. I think Greg said that he gets the water first and then it tr trickles down to Arizona. Yes. The is that, only, is it, do the people care about the water? I, oh, yeah. The only term that I remember from our uh, California real estate exam is the riparian rights. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we, we are the eighth major city on the Colorado River. The Colorado River no longer runs into the Pacific Ocean anymore. Uh, we suck it dry. Um, and because we've been around longer than say Arizona, San Diego will get its water from the, Cor the Colorado river before they do. Um, we have, 
drought warnings left and right. Um, we have, you know, watering restrictions of when you can water your lawn and when you're supposed to and not supposed to. Um, so water is definitely a, a big one. And then the other one is uh, all the rules and regulations of uh, new construction properties, essentially not being on fossil fuels and being on electricity and solar panels only. How would Nicole. that go over, Scott? Nicole, will you have a problem with water out there or uh, we, not so much? We don't, um, but we will. Um, that's a hot button um, around here with our community members. Um, if I had the time, I would definitely, you know, get on get on the water conservation board. But um, you know, I, it's something that we're consistently talking about. I think again, it's the Wild West, so it's one of those things where we hope that um, you know we're taking the right actions now. I think there's it, it's being paid attention to now much more than ever, but should have been. It's a, I mean, it, it, it truly is a real issue, um, and has been for quite some time. The things that I'm hearing about it um, make me feel optimistic that we have some good plans in place. But the, you know, the the reality of the situation is we're uh, the the planning process we're 10, 15, 20 years behind, and and now just you know taking the right actions um, is much more difficult because we are so much further behind. But I think with um, we've you know partnered to try to figure out how can we help. I know that there's there is new there are new rebates, um, not regarding necessarily water, but new rate rebates about solar. Whereas before the, there weren't really there wasn't much incentive to put solar, to spend the investment to put solar on your house. Um, and there's a, there's a new bill that um, I think is really going to do a lot for um, conserving energy. And so we're trying to partner with our clients to give them the inner, the, you know, the resources. But again, I think we're pretty far behind and, and still have a long way to go in all um, environmental related um, issues here in Arizona in general. Well, we're coming up on the top of the hour. Do you have any conclusions? I mean, I, I did want to ask about solar and I'm glad you did get to it. Um, they both sound like extraordinary communities. It is no wonder that people move to both places for the lifestyle, mm -hmm. especially since in the last couple of years, people have felt like uh, they are not tethered to um, their, their jobs in New York City and in some of the traditional cities and that they have more freedom to move away from the urban centers and, uh, and, and work remotely. Um, so it's, it's no wonder that these two communities have taken off. Sounds like San Diego has always done well because you have a military, military is the primary industry and tourism has always been and always will be the second and strong, a very strong industry. Not and to mention amazing weather constantly. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah we complain drop. when it drops under 50 degrees. Does it rain? I did today, but it's 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 strange. It's I, I'm originally from Wisconsin, and coming here, you like you get excited when it rains. You're like, hey, did you see it rained? Like, oh my gosh! Like it just doesn't happen that often. So when it does, it's like it's kind of cool. 
But it's also kind of like when you have people who used to live in New York and they move down to Florida and Georgia and all those areas and they forget how to drive when it snows because it doesn't happen down that far too often. It's the same over here. They, people forget that there's weather. And then when there's weather, there's always accidents and traffic on all the major roads because people forget how to drive when they move to California because it's always 65 and sunny. I second that. It's raining today and, and people are going crazy. It's It's fun out there. It, that will did that like honestly going more in like real estate and like our day-to-day functioning rain will destroy your open house more than anything else like a sports game i know like you know other places in the world it's like oh the patriots are playing no one's going to go to your open house kind of thing san diego if it's raining no one's leaving their house it's just not happening <laughs> overcast now nah, we'll go to a different day wow that's like snow in connecticut uh, you know, that we, we think we look at the weather report to see if it's going to snow enough to cancel the open house. And you guys do that for rain? Wow. Not even a lot of rain. It's just like the roads are a little wet and it dries up in a few hours. Wow. I will say I was really struck going to California last week. I went to the conference. Greg was there and I walked down to the beach and I watched the middle schoolers and high schoolers in their wetsuits at 7 a.m. surfing before school. And I was watching them run to, two at a time down to the water to just catch a, a good half hour of surfing before school. And it struck me just what a different lifestyle it is out West. And you talked about the Wild West, Nicole. And Greg, you talked about it's a lifestyle choice. And I think ultimately that's the lesson learned here. Is that you know uh, you know you, you that that people prefer to be in these communities. It's not about a tax decision, income tax, property tax, interest rates. People are making the decision to move to these places probably because they can get there because you have airports, they're accessible, and um, they're just great lifestyles. And like people from New York and the East Coast where the pace is so much faster, it takes them three, four months to relax and calm down and quit wearing their, you know, their blazer and their bow ties and, you know, all that good stuff. And they, yeah, <laughs> there you go. unbutton it. Now you're the most dressed real estate agent in San Diego. There you go. The repeller has come off. The yeah. fl- We don't know where we're flying now. Yeah. <laughs> but I got permission. Yeah, once once they settle in, you're you're choosing a lifestyle. You know, it's not because your family's here. It's not because of anything else. It's because this is the life you want to live, and we're here to support that. Awesome, awesome. Thank you both so much for this great hour. It'll be up on YouTube uh, within 24 hours. Uh, I hope to come back and ask you. I guess in a year, whether uh, the bloom is off the rose, but it doesn't sound like it. Sounds like the prospects in both Scottsdale and San Diego are going to be very strong for a very long time. So thank you very much for giving us insight. Thank Thank you all. Scott, great to see you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. See you next week.